The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, my friends? Hope all of you out there are having a wonderful little start to your week. Wonderful little start to your year. I'm Sean Oshadi. We got the crew here. Jose Youngs, Damon Martin, Jed Mashu, And fellas, we're doing a little competition here today. We're calling our shots, peering into those crystal balls to predict the UFC champions at the end of 2023. Now, this is something we have done offline before in, in years past, a couple different times, just informally amongst ourselves. Uh, and whatever you're thinking out there when you're listening to this, whatever's running through your mind, trust me, if you've never done this, you should give it a shot. It is much, much harder than you think it was. Like I said, we've done this a couple times, just sort of in the background of the website and there's like 12 divisions. Honestly, you're lucky if you get like half of them, right? Like six of them is a decent result here. Uh, so before we get too late in the year, it's time to bust out the 2023 edition. We're going to rip through these. Uh, but one question here, fellas, before we start open floor, did this year feel harder? than in years past. Cause it, to me, it feels like we're almost at a weird in between zone with a lot of these divisions. Did anybody else struggle with this a little bit more than usual? Yes, but that might be a good thing, right? Cause like normally I feel really good and normally I'm just wrong as shit. So <laughs> like maybe this time, like, I don't know, shot in the dark. I'm thinking about it a little bit more trying to like really set it out how it's going to go. Maybe I've maybe I've come to a better process in figuring this out. But yeah, zero level of confidence in in any of these things that are happening right now. See, the problem is in 2022, like a couple of the longest reigning champions who looked kind of unbeatable. When you look at Israel Adesanya and Kamar Usman, they both lost. So that kind of threw everything into upheaval. So I have like two fighters this year that I think, man, there's no way they're going to lose. And I guarantee you one of them is going to end up getting upset somehow. Like that's just how this sport works. Because the guys who I would have guaranteed locked last year 
I, I ended up losing. So yeah, it's, it, there's just chaos when you do this. I mean, six new champions last year. And in that same vein, both of those fighters you mentioned were ve- like minutes away from defending their title successfully. Yeah. Hail Mary. Yeah. So like Hail Mary touched like touchdown victory. So for all we know, like if those, if Kamaru doesn't get head kicked and Israel Sanders doesn't get uppercut, we're talking about, are they locks for the greatest ever at the end of the year? But that's not where we're at. Yeah, and it's just so weird now when you look at this landscape, right? Because like a lot of divisions, light heavyweight's kind of in flux. We have no idea what the hell is going to happen with light heavyweight. And the, the two you mentioned, I mean, Alex and Leon, I think there are probably several fighters in either division that we would wager to, to defeat those guys. Like it doesn't feel like maybe they're the best talents there, but they're the ones that are holding the belt. So it's all very strange. And also like you got divisions like Bantamweight where who's even really going to fight for the belt at some point, like in the women's divisions in particular, it feels very up in the air. Uh, I don't know. I'm excited to do this. Let's jump into it. One other little plot twist though, that we're going to throw in here. And Damon, you mentioned it. We're going to get two locks each. Locks count for double points. So if you get the lock right, that's double. But you are not allowed to use those locks for Valentina Shevchenko or Amanda Nunes. That's just cheating. That's too easy. We're taking away easy mode. Uh, All right, fellas. Let's do this. We're going to move through these quickly. And you out there listening, send us your picks as well. Who do you think is going to end the year with UFC gold? Let's have some fun with this. Hey there. Sean from the future here. Just wanted to give you guys a little context for what you're about to hear. We actually recorded this conversation on Friday. That's before, obviously, the big news dropped on Saturday regarding Francis Ngannou. And, you know, the fact that there is no UFC heavyweight champion at all right now didn't actually end up mattering. None of us picked Francis. But again, just wanted to throw in some context for what you're about to hear. The wild times in 2023 just do not stop, do they? Uh, We appreciate you guys. Love you. Let's get back to the picks. So let's start with the big boys. The heavyweights, uh, of course, Francis Ngannou holds the belt right now. But will that be true this time next year? Jose, hit me. No, and I'm going to use one of my locks right out of the gate. Because I've been saying this Whoa. for... Wow, okay. How, how, would I, how, is, how long have I been at MMAfighting.com? Since 2018. And if you go back through the annals of time, even when Sean was at whatever newsletter he was working at for those handful of months and then when then he came back i was saying <laughs> i i've been saying that john jones is going to be the ufc heavyweight champion real quick as soon as he jumps up to the heavyweight division um i think john jones is the most talented ufc fighter that i've ever seen in my entire life and that includes george st pierre and demetrius johnson I'm not talking greatest i'm talking most talented this is very much the lebron james versus michael jordan debate but i think john jones is the most talented fighter i've ever seen i think his last few fights like heavyweight he had just been complacent and he was kind of you know he'd lost a lot of time with suspensions and stuff going on outside of the cage and he even admitted when we were at that media day before he fought tiago santos that a lot of these fights that he was taking was to make up to the fans and re gain lost time so the UFC would offer him these fights and he would just take them because he didn't want to make it up just knowing he was just better than them so uh, yes he barely beat Tiago Santos and it is a real big argument I don't think he beat Dominic Reyes but I think if John Jones shows up on point and is motivated I think he just steamrolls everyone at that light heavyweight division I think John Jones beats Francis Ngannou I think Cyril Ghosn is a huge wild card I think Cyril Ghosn could beat him Curtis Blades could obviously beat him with his with his wrestling but I think John Jones is going to be the UFC heavyweight champion at the end of 2023 I 
even if he fights once and then they're just trying to figure it out for the rest of the year, I think John Jones will hold USC gold at January, at December 31st, 2023. Wow. Coming out of the gates, using one of his locks on John Jones, a man who has not fought since, what, 2020? A man who's probably the most unreliable person in the history of mixed martial arts. That's wild, but I'm here for it. So, it's so aggressive. It's just so aggressive because, like, one, the last time John Jones fought, we didn't have COVID. We didn't know what COVID was the last time this man fought. And that feels like a lifetime ago since COVID was not part of my life. And that's that. And John didn't even win that fight. Like the last time he like definitively won. I I mean, I didn't think he definitively beat Tiago Santos either. So we're talking four years, Anthony Smith. Hoof, bolt especially when he also might win the belt and then vacate it as has happened three other times in his career. So love, love the confidence. I am not doing that. I can't do it. I can't have any belief in John Jones for the longest time. I thought he would lose to Francis Ngannou because if you are afraid of Tiago Santos without knees punching you, you are going to be shit your pants, terrified of Francis Ngannou standing across the cage from you. But I am now worried that, you know, you talk mentioned at the top, the other two of the other three Kings lost fights. They were winning. Maybe John Jones does come back. Maybe that happens. I can't bank on it. So I'm going with the much stupider pick taken. This is the year guys. This is Curtis blades year. Finally. He's beaten everybody that isn't John Jones. Essentially John is going to have to, or, uh, uh, Francis Ngannou. I think we are going to get John Jones, Francis Ngannou. I'm going to pick Francis Ngannou to win that fight. Then I'm going to say Ngannou fights one more by the end of the year. Curtis Blades is going to fight Cyril Gaon in a number one contenders bout because there's nothing else to do with either man. And I think Blades beats him. And then we get the trilogy no one is clamoring for, but we're going to get nonetheless. Blades and Ngannou three. And this time, this time, Curtis gets it done. Curtis Blades, heavyweight champion. And then they close the division down because God knows they don't want Curtis Blades to be their heavyweight champion. Wow. I, I did not expect Jones and Blades off the board right off the bat, but I'm here for it. I mean, Damon, what do you, what do you think about all this? So uh, I'm, I'm kind of with, like, I've been very much on the, the Jed mindset when it comes to Francis Agano and John Jones, that if they fought... You know, John Jones, even in his best days, like even in his most dominant fights, he still gets hit. He still gets hit occasionally. Like he took some punches in the Cormier fights. He took some punches in in the in, in other fights. You do not just get to sit there and trade punches with Francis Ngannou and hope to survive for five rounds. So I've actually long said that I think Francis Ngannou could beat him. But I'm going to throw another giant, uh, you know, giant uh, uh, wrench into the into the works here and say that my pick to be heavyweight champion at the end of 2023 is none other than Sergey Pavlovich. I think Sergey is the most dangerous heavyweight out there, not named Francis Ngannou. I don't think the UFC is going to put Cyril Gaon or Curtis Blades anywhere near Francis Ngannou again, because, you know, neither, neither fight really sells that much. Not saying Sergey's a star yet, but I think if he beats John Jones again, and we're saying if that fight even happens, because we're depending on John Jones actually coming back and fighting at heavyweight after first teasing that move 11 years ago, uh, assuming that fight happens, I think Sergey will end up being the next man in line. And I think Sergey Pavlovich knocks out Francis Ngannou. 
Wow. That might that might be the boldest prediction yet. We've seen Sergey Pavlovich lose aggressively to Alistair Overeem not that long ago. And now he's just and he might not be wrong. Maybe he does not like, might not be wrong. But man, heavyweight, what a division. Heavyweight might be the most fun in 2023 than it's been in a long time. If if we can get any of this coming through. That's also why I can't pick like the incumbent champion because we've just seen this too many times where a guy that we're like, oh yeah, this guy's going to be champion for years. And then, you know, it's heavyweight someone one punch and it's all over. So like Francis looks like he could be that guy, but you know, that's just heavyweight. That's how it happens. We may have all just given you a layup first point on the board here. <laughs> Heen. Like, are you just going to take the chalk answer? I'm I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm actually stunned that we all have different answers. Oh, can and I none change of them are Francis Ngannou. Can I change <laughs> no, mine? It's, locked in. it's already locked in. <laughs> it's it. already locked in. The audience heard it. I'm, I'm going to Cyril Gan, a man both all of you guys oh mentioned who's in, in this picture. And he seems to to me, I could very much see a Francis Ngannou-esque arc for him where he's in this first title fight probably a little bit too soon. He's almost there. He almost wins it. It's very competitive and he learns a lesson coming out of it. And I, to me, he's still like one of the most technically proficient fighters in this divi- entire division. And if he goes into a Francis Ngannou rematch, I would probably pick him. Uh, but that being said, I mean, the fact that all of us pick different people and nobody picked Francis means that Francis is definitely going to end the year with the UFC belt still around his waist. And we're all just haters, I guess. I have regrets. I thought I was going to get the edge. I was going to try and play the the long shot here. And now I should have just taken the chalk. <laughs> Well, well, from one crazy division to one, another that has complete uncertainty. Let's go to 205. There is no champion right now. Uh, we'll find out a new champion, I guess, ostensibly uh, at UFC 2, 283. But also, though, you know, what does that mean? That fight was made a championship fight on, on short notice. Nobody really knows anything that's going on at 205. Jed, hit us. Where are you going with this? I almost put this as my lock. I don't think it would be responsible to use this as my lock because there are two pretty clear choices, but it's Yuri Prohashka. You know, you know, Shaheen, I took him in the column we wrote about predicting the new champs. Yuri Prohashka, he's coming back. Look, yes, he had the worst shoulder injury in the history of organized professional sports, allegedly. Sure, we don't have any idea what's happening or when he's coming back. But he says he's coming back, and you know what? I believe in Yuri because he believes in himself. So he's going to come back at the end of the year. We've seen him beat Glover to share. Glover is a thousand percent going to beat Jamal Hill this uh, next next weekend or whatever, uh, and then he'll just wait. Maybe they do an Uncle Live. Either way, I think Yuri is the best light heavyweight in the world. He's certainly the most fun one. He's going to get a title fight at the end of the year, and he's going to win it. He's going to reclaim the uncrowned the champion title of, of that he lost of no fault of his own. I butchered all of that, but the point remains Yuri Prashka, 2023 <laughs> champion. Yuri Prashka, a man who may not even fight in 2023. That is Jed's hey, pick. Jose took a dude who hasn't fought in four years. And I didn't, I don't hear that backlash. <laughs> You're coming to me over Yuri. <laughs> what do you think, David? Uh, so the, again, Yuri's a great pick because you know hypothetically he's the uncrowned champion as it stands. But I just shoulder injuries are so nasty. Like shoulder injuries and knee injuries, are like the two injuries you can't count on coming back from really quickly. So I'm just going to discount him entirely. I do think Glover's going to end up being champion after UFC 283, and then 
it's just a matter of throwing darts at a board to see who's actually going to get a title shot there. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go with the least amount of confidence ever. I'm going to go with Magomed Ankalaya being champion because I thought he beat Jan Blahovich and should have been champion anyways. Uh, and I still have faith that Magomed Ankalaev is the best light heavyweight in the sport, even though he's been winning very ugly over the last couple of years. But I still have faith in him finding a way to beat, you know, the legend in, in, in Glover Teixeira. I, I just don't see Yuri coming back this year. Or if he does, it's going to be like December. And I just can't see Glover sitting from January to December unless there's an in- injury or something. So I'm going to go with Ankalaev because I don't think the UFC is going to want to put Blahovich back in there. You know, Anthony Smith isn't getting a title shot anytime soon. You know, Ryan Spann, you know, is, a, is kind of an interesting guy, but he's still a couple wins away from there. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Mega Man Ankalaev as the most likely guy to get a title shot against Glover to share, and I think he beats Glover. So I'm going to go with Ankalaev. Yeah, I think I'm with you, Damon. I'm, I'm also going Ankalaev. I don't say with confidence because this man is definitely not the UFC's favorite person right now, and it feels like they're not going to do him any favors anytime soon. But the, the fact that light heavyweight is just so... Um, what's the opposite of talent rich, right? Like it is just it is completely uninteresting right now. Like light heavyweight is by far outside of women's bantamweight, which is a different conversation entirely, but light heavyweight might be the most uninteresting division at the top. Uh, so it's just, they're not going to have a chance. They're not going to have like a choice. He is going to come back. He's going to beat some Paul Craig type of dude. And then he, there's only one real option if Yuri's not back and that's to throw him back into it. And I think he's still probably the cream of the crop here in this division without Yuri. This division needs Jelton Almeida. Why can't he come back and fight at light heavyweight? Like, that's what this division needs. Facts. 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 Uh, Jose, where are you going with this? Yeah, I'm just going down the list. It's just process of elimination. It's probably going to be Magomed Ankalaev. Alexander Ratchik is an f- interesting name, especially if he, if he comes back and gets a like an impressive win and they kind of catapult him because it's just unfortunate that when Jan beat Ratchik, it was due to that weird freak injury. Yuri like tears his shoulder. Magomed beats Anthony Smith with a weird injury too. So a lot of these guys are winning, but they're not melting their opponents. They're not just beating the soul out of them. And I would pick Yuri if I had any confidence he could come back. I just don't know if he'll be back in time, like you all said. I mean, he could bathe his shoulder in the river and then heal it like he talks about, but <laughs> I have no idea. I This is the least confidence I'll have this entire podcast so i'm just gonna say magomed by process of elimination you're all doubting the czech samurai and i i'm not here for it he's human to some degree right like he has to be human based on what on what facts of, of yuri perhaps of life do you think he's human have you is this day one in mma for you what has this man ever done that has looked human Here's the other problem, though. Yuri, Yuri is inhuman. He may, but the problem is he may come back and Dillashaw himself. That's the problem. He may be the lunatic yeah. who's like, I'm back after nine months. Oh. And then his shoulder, because shoulder, if that's as bad as the shoulder injury is what we hear, shoulder injuries, you don't bounce back from that quickly. Like, that's just the reality. Like, you just do not come back that quickly from a shoulder injury. He may come back quickly and then Dillashaw his way to a loss. I agree. You don't in a real weight class like Bantamweight. But 205 <laughs> sucks shit, and y'all are all going to be kicking yourselves come September. Yuri's rocking the top knot again. He is back here doing some weird mountain training, and you're all going to be like, I messed up. I messed up. Should have taken Yuri. The scenes at 205 are just its terrible. We need Yuri back. We really do need Yuri back. This division is so uninteresting without him. <laughs> Once Glover leaves, like we're going to have nothing. We're going to have nothing here. Uh, let's keep it moving, though. Middleweight. 
I don't think many of us expected we'd be talking about Alex Pereira like we are uh, our 2022 fighter of the year, like we have been. But I mean, this is the guy who comes in holding the belt. Ostensibly, him and Izzy are going to go at it again. Damon, where are you going with this one? Boy, I tell you, so this is a tough one because, you know, my heart of hearts, even though it was a huge upset and he was, you know, five minutes away from losing, I, I do think Alex Pereira can beat Israel Adesanya again because I think at this point, being 3-0 and against him, I feel like it's going to get in Izzy's head. I mean, it's it's hard. It's impossible not to, to have the second fight. You, you look like you're doing well. You have him on skates, and then he comes back and knocks you out cold. Third, the first fight in MMA, you're beating him. You're up three rounds to one. Looks like you're going to win, and then he catches you with the uppercut, and they stop it, and then it's over. And, and it just feels like it's bad juju for Israel Adesanya to fight Alex Pereira. So I'm going to go with Pereira in that one, but I'm going to throw a giant curveball here for who is going to be middleweight champion at the end of the year. Because I don't think, I just don't think when you look at the upper echelon division, I don't think they're going to want to rush Robert Whitaker back in there. I don't think they're going to want to put guys like Marvin Vittori in there, Jared Cannonier. So my pick for the middleweight champion by the end of 2023 is none other than Hamzat Chemaev. Because I think Hamzat is more suited at middleweight. I think there's an easier path for him to get a title shot at middleweight. I think ultimately, as much as they want this Colby Covington fight to happen, it sure doesn't look like it's going to happen. And I just think there's too much of a risk at Hamzat continuing to cut to 170. So I think if Pereira beats Izzy, then they're going to put him in there with Shemayev. And that is the absolute last fight in the universe that Alex Pereira wants, uh, because I think Shemayev would take him down and submit him inside the first round. So I'm going with Hamzat Shemayev as middleweight champion by the end of the year. But that's not a lock. I'm just throwing it out there because I don't know who else it would be. Because I think we may only we may only end up getting one fight, one middleweight title fight this year between Izzy and and, uh, and Pereira. But I'm gonna, I'm going to go with the uh, the oddball pick and say Chimaev. If Chimaev Pereira gets booked tomorrow, what do you think the odds are on that? Like how how heavy of a favorite is Hamza in that? Minus four fifty. So more than four to one. Yeah, I, it's probably it's probably too low. Right. Like that's probably even too low. Uh, that that is our first Hamza mention of the podcast. I'm sure it's not going to be our last Jose where you go with 185. I, I was going to pick Hamza, too, just solely because if you've seen the photo of him on Instagram, that man is never going to touch 170 ever again. That man's shoulders don't end like they take up. The, like if he was on if he was on the show with us and this was a video show, his shoulders would leave the screen like that dude is not coming close to 175 let alone 170 that man looks more like a light heavyweight at this point um as soon as robert whitaker lost uh paulo costa i had been saying like just book hamza against robert whitaker right now and then if hamza beats robert whitaker he's the best middleweight in the world and just take the bell from alex and just give it to hamza because that's essentially what it would be i think I think Hamza Shemaev could be the best middleweight on the world. I think Israel beats Alex Pereira in the rematch, but I still think Hamza Shemaev ends the year with the UFC middleweight championship wrapped around his waist solely because he will never make 170 ever again because he is just way too big. All right, that's two for Hamza. What do you think, Jed? I want to hear you first, Heen. I want to close the show here. All right, all right. I'm going to go with the old standard. I'll go Izzy. Uh, and maybe this is me being silly. Maybe this is a stupid pick. Maybe picking against the guy who's down 0-3 in the series is, is a little bit ridiculous. But you look at this series, and it's just the most bizarre thing that I've ever seen in combat sports, right? Because the first fight, he clearly should have won the first fight. It was a bad decision. Then the last two fights, he's winning until he's not in the very, very last round of both of these fights. Like, this is the strangest thing you, you, I've ever seen. Lightning can't possibly strike 
for a fourth time in a row, you'd have to think. I, I believe in Izzy. Izzy will be more motivated for this next Alex fight than for anything else he's ever been in his entire life, I would imagine, because this guy just has to hate Alex at this point. <laughs> and then I don't just don't know if we'll get a shot for Hamza. Like, I see gold in Hamza's future, but if Izzy wins that fight, they're going to do the trilogy. And then at that point, that's the year. Like, that, that's, that runs out the, the time span for what we're doing here. So I'm going Izzy. Don't feel great about it, but... I don't know. I just have a hunch. Where are you going, Jed? So you shouldn't feel great about it because he's lost three times. And every time he said that this is the most motivated, it's not an issue of motivation. It's an issue of tactics. Izzy approaches prayer with really bad tactics. And that's why he gets knocked the hell out. Uh, I think that's probably going to happen again. I believe that when they do rematch, I'm going to pick Alex prayer again, picked him this past time. Just going to keep, riding that pony till the wheels fall off. But even if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter because the winner, the champion at the end of the year is, as our steam colleague said, Hamza Chimaev. It's going to be the UFC middleweight champion by the end of the year. My guess is in the late winter, he fights either Pereira or Adesanya. I'm leaning Pereira, but he feel good that he wins either of those fights. But the reason I wanted to go last is because I'm going to segue us right into 170, baby. Because the way Hamzat gets the 185 title is first, he is going to throttle the winner of Usman Edwards that will happen, claim the welterweight strap, and then immediately, they're not going to make him fight Bilal Muhammad because nobody gives a shit about Bilal Muhammad getting a title <laughs> fight, baby. They're going to say, hey, he did it, and it's going to either be he gets to fight Pereira, and Pereira gets the opportunity to prove that he's a well-rounded MMA fighter, or he gets to fight Izzy because Izzy and Usman, you know, UFC Africa boys, they're they're feeling teammate, and he gets to go do it. Double champ by the end of the year, baby. Hamza Chimaev. Wow. Look at this. Uh, I, I'm just going to go right after you because I'm going Hamza for welterweight as well, and that's a lock. That is one of my locks. I just, I mean, he's, it, it has to happen. It is, this man is inevitable at 170. I think he only probably has two fights left max at 170, but he has already started in this division. He's already put in too much work in this division. His team seems determined to get this belt. I agree. I think he's going to hold two titles at some point. I just don't know that he'll get there at the end of this year, but I believe he will still be that man at 170 at the end of 2023. And if you throw him up against anybody in this division, he's going to be the betting favorite and justifiably. So I'm going Hamza and I'm using a lock there. Love it. Love the energy. You're, you're, I just, I I'm with Jose and like, I have zero faith in him making welterweight multiple times and especially getting to 170, like not 171, 170. He can get to, he, he was, he was 179. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Yeah, just didn't I just see that thing. Yeah, I just, I just, I have zero faith that they're like they're they're. I just can't see him standing on a scale weighing 170 pounds. I just can't. And also, at welterweight. So the reason I'm going a different direction at welterweight is because this division, while we have had you know instances where Kamar Usman defended the title three times in a year, we're getting into territory where it feels like we're going to be in like a one title fight kind of territory, especially. You know, we still haven't heard the announcement that, that Usman Edwards three is going to happen in March. Maybe it gets pushed back. It doesn't happen in London. And then at that point, I think we're talking about maybe one welterweight title fight this year, which I think is realistic. So I'm going to go with Kamar Usman as champion by the end of the year, because I think he beats Leon Edwards in the rematch. He was beating him soundly in the, or in the, in the rematch and then do it again in the trilogy. He got caught with the head kick. Also, 
I know it's an excuse. Both guys were under it for that one, but that fight being in Salt Lake City, man, it just drained the life out of everybody on that card. And I think both Leon and Usman did not look great in that fight. And I think the the uh, the altitude played a part in that. So I think Usman comes back. I think he beats Edwards, and I think he ends the year's champion. Not necessarily because I think he loses or beats Chamaya or anything else. I just don't think we're going to get another title fight. I think it's going to be one and done. For the year, and so I'm going with Kamar Usman as champion. Kamar Usman will be 36 with by the end of this year. Bad knees, 36 years old. We'll see. Jose, what do you think? Yeah, I'm also going to go with Kamar Usman solely based off mostly what Damon said. I think he was obviously a few minutes away from beating Leon Edwards. You can obviously say Leon Edwards was the the altitude and this and that, but there was a point in time where we were all saying, talking about is Kamar Usman just the greatest welterweight ever. I was not in that category, but that was obviously a debate that was brought up at every single press conference and media day at nauseum. Uh, Kamar Usman is also one of these fighters where they're very talented in the ring. I mean, in the cage and in the octagon, and they have all the physical tools and abilities in there, but he also, the way he approaches this game, he kind of puts together these game plans that just seem to work uh, using his strengths uh, and his opponent's weakness you saw with uh, Jorge Maslow when he knocked him out. You saw what he uh, stifled Colby Cummington. He's just a very well-rounded, all-around mixed martial artist, and I think he beats Leon Edwards in the rematch, but I'm also with Damon. I don't know how many times this title would be defended. So even if he gets the title against Leon Edwards, say, in March, I don't know if he'll fight again for the rest of the year, solely because he has that weird wrist injury, he has the bad knees, maybe he just wants time to recover because, like Sean said, he's getting up there in age. I just think Kamar Usman gets the title back and probably doesn't fight for the rest of the year while the rest of the welterweight division sorts themselves out, much to, much to the chagrin of Bilal Muhammad. I just don't know how much Kamaru feels like he has left. That's my only question. I just have a hunch that this guy sort of is... More, more towards like I'm, I'm, I'm done mode. Then I want, I have this immense fire to to reclaim what's been mine for like the past several years. We'll see though. I mean, it's very, it's very interesting division, but also it might be the most inactive division, as you fellas said in 2023. That'll be a little frustrating, but we'll see. Uh, moving on, let's move to 155. Uh, and I feel like we probably may all go the same direction on this, but maybe not. Let's start with you, Jed. This is a Makachev, baby. It's a lock. Lock it in. I've been saying for years, yep. the dude's here. He he arrived. He ascended. God love Alexander Volkanovsky. Probably the actual best fighter in the world, uh, pound for pound. He's he is gonna get. Max Holloway took Alexander Volkanovsky down consistently. I'm real confident in Islam's ability to just mess this very small man up. So yeah, uh, <laughs> and I don't know who the my long shot here. Is I have a long shot bet on him at four plus four thousand is Rafael Faziv because if Faziv does get the Gaethje fight and can can angle his way, I think he is the toughest matchup for Makachev. I I don't even think he wins. So yeah, it's Makachev all day. Lock it in, baby. Jose. Uh, I'm also going to go Islam Makachev. Uh, I'm not going to lock it in because I'm going to save my last lock for later on in this podcast. But yeah, looking at the top of the division or even just the top fifteen, I don't see any fighter on this list that i think i could someone could argue and i would consider them any sort of threat charles maybe but we saw what happened dustin definitely not justin definitely not benil is i pick against benil dariush every fight and he wins 
pretty much every fight. So if I say he's not going to be champion, which he'll probably be champion, um, but I'm it's Islam all day. This is the Islam show, whether Habib is in his corner or not. I don't see anyone in this top 15 that will give him any sort of problems. I mean, the Armin Sarukian fight, if he can climb his way back and get that rematch because that first fight was very, very fun and that was his UFC debut, I think that would be a lot of fun, but I don't even know if that's going to happen solely based off of all the names above Armin Sarukian. So maybe we talk about that 2024. But 2023, it's going to be the Islam show. That belt is not leaving Dagestan anytime soon. Yeah, I'm making this. I'm I'm joining in the crew. I mean, there's not even much more to be said. This man is clearly the cream of the crop at 155. I'm using a lock on this. This is my last lock. Lock it in. Islam Makachev. I don't think he's going to lose for a very long time at 155. I think by the time this is over, he's going to be the all-time record holder for UFC title defenses. It just feels inevitable to me. What about you, Damon? Yeah, make it four for four, and I'm going to lock that in as well. Islam Makachev is one of my locks. Although I will say... I do think he beats Alexander Volkanovsky pretty sound, pretty soundly. I don't think that's going to be a, a great fight. I like Volkanovsky, but I just don't think he's got a lot for Islam. But I actually think the most dangerous guy could be the the one random dude who could get a title shot next, which is Benil Dariush. I think he is actually the toughest possible matchup for Islam because he's got world-class jiu-jitsu. He's got bricks in his hands. He's got knockout power. Him beating Matush Gamrot the way he did and beating him pretty dominantly uh, was a, I think a Facts. wake up call. Cause Matush Gamrot looked like he was going to be a top five guy and, and Benil worked him. Uh, so I think Benil Dariush is the most dangerous guy in this division for, uh, I think there's a reason why Dustin Poirier doesn't want to fight him. And it has nothing to do with Dustin Poirier saying he's not a big enough name. I think Dustin knows he's going to take an L in that fight. That's why he didn't want to fight Benil Dariush. Uh, so Benil Dariush is the most dangerous guy, but I'm still going to stick with Islam. I'm going to lock it in. But weirdly, I think it's a l- less of a confident lock because I think Benil can give him a fight. I think he is the most dangerous guy to fight him. I just feel like they're going to make Benil win like 40 fights in a row before he gets that opportunity. I, 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 That's the other problem. That's the other problem is that Benil, Benil may be waiting to like 2025 to get a title shot. So. See, that's, yeah, he's going to get Tony is, Ferguson. Mm-hmm. My issue is just that Benil is like bad Islam. Like he's like not as good at doing the things Islam is. If you're gonna like give me somebody, give me Fazeev, give me Jalen Turner, give me a guy who's doing something different, even if he's like very likely to also get obliterated in horrific fashion. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, from Islam to now the man who's fighting him in a couple of months here, probably for the number one pound for pound spot, Alexander Volkanovsky, he's ru- ruled the roost here at 145 for a while. Uh, he's our number one pound for pound fighter on MMA fighting. Also, though, there's a lot of really interesting young talent coming up at 145, and dominant mm-hmm. champions are dominant until the day they're not, and then all of a sudden, you just never see it coming. So it's not yeah, a foregone conclusion at all at 145. Face. Exactly. So where'd you go with this, Jose? This one's tough solely because if, if Volkanov, like I know we just said that Islam's not going to lose the title anytime soon, but say what Mercury is in retrograde or whatever the Gen Zers say these days, and Alex Volkanovsky wins, and that he has two titles to defend in two different weight classes, it just might be a numbers game that you just might not see any of these young guys come up and get to challenge Volkanovsky. I think Volkanovsky beats Yair and Josh Emmett, whoever wins that interim title. I think the only name in this top 10 of the UFC rankings that I'm hyper interested in, obviously, is Ilya Teporia, but he's at nine in the UFC rankings, so I don't think he's going to get there in time because Volkanovsky is obviously going to have to defend his title against Yair and Brian or between the Yair or Josh Emmett. And then after that, I have no idea what the future holds because that would be two title fights for him in a year i know he wants to stay active normally fighters that fight alex Vol- uh, that fight islam mahachev don't look the same physically as they did entering that fight so he might even have to take time off before he can even defend or unify those featherweight titles uh, especially i'm sure he's bulking up for 155 and then to have to cut to 145 i'm just going to assume we only see volkanovsky twice next year so I'm going to say just process of elimination. I think he beats the winner of Emmett Yair. And I think that's his only title fight at Featherweight. So I'm going to say Volkanovski holds the title at the at December 31st, 2023. Damon, you see it that way as well? Yeah, and that's my other lock. I'm going to go with Alexander Volkanovski. For two reasons. One, I, you know, I do think he is going to lose to Islam Makachev, which is going to send him back to Featherweight. And while I do, you know, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Josh Emmett and Yair Rodriguez. I don't think either one of them are going to beat Alexander Volkanovsky. I think those are both winnable fights for him. I think Emmett, I think Emmett actually has a better chance against Volkanovsky than Yair does, but I don't know that Emmett beats Yair, which is a weird one. So, like, if he loses to Yair, I think Yair just gets worked by Volkanovsky. I think it looks like the Korean zombie fight. He gets beat up for four rounds and finished. I just don't think Yair can hang with a guy like Volkanovsky and Emmett, you know, may make it a little bit of a tougher fight. But again, I just think, I think that's really where I come down to Volkanovsky. I think Volkanovsky is incredible. And I agree with Jose. I think Ilya Taporia is probably the one guy out there. I would say, Ooh, that's a really interesting fight. A guy who could beat Alexander Volkanovsky if he could go five rounds. Um, but I just don't think we're going to see that title fight this year. I think we're going to see Volk lose to Islam and then return to 145 and he beats uh, Emmett or Yair, and that's probably the only other title fight we get this year. So again, I have a lot of faith in Volkanovski, but I just think process of elimination makes it too hard to see anyone beating him this year and taking that title. So Volkanovski, and that's my second lock. What about you, Jed? Volkanovski, it's also my second lock. Uh, for all the reasons they said, just, I mean, not all the reasons, but the biggest one being he's going to fight Islam, he's going to lose, going to come back down. And he exists in this very fortunate circumstance where he gets to fight 
either Josh Emmett or Yair Rodriguez. I think both of those are just great matchups for him. I think Volk is about to fall off. Uh, we're not going to know until years later that 2022 was the peak Volk. 2023 is when we start to get the decline, but because he's going to lose to Islam and no one's going to really be like, Oh, those like it's the baked in excuse of losing to the heavier dude. And he's going to beat Yair or Josh Emmett. We won't realize it. He will lose his belt early 2024 to the actual toughest test for him. Arnold Allen. Arnold's just not going to get that shot this year. If if you guaranteed me Arnold Allen was going to get a title fight by the end of the year, Volk would fight three times. Uh, I would take Arnold Allen. But since I'm pretty sure we're just getting two out of out of the featherweight champ, and one of them's a lightweight, Volk is the choice, and I'm locking him in. Yeah, Volkanovski, sneaky old in a way, very right? old. Like he's going to be. That's why. That's why I think last year was the peak because it was so good, and he is. He's this just can't hold up. You don't age people age like bread in the lighter weight divisions. To me, I, I I see exactly how both of you guys, Damon and and Jed, how you've laid it out. Because the real intrigue to me doesn't even start until after we get this Emmett Rodriguez fight out of the way, and then whatever that title defense will be. That feels almost perfunctory because I think we we all said it like Volk will beat either of those guys, but then the floodgates open, right? Then it's the Arnold Allen. Then it's the Ilya Taporia. Then it's the Movsar Evloyev. Like then we start talking about some real contenders that I think could actually do some damage to Volkanovsky, especially catching him on the downslide. As we said, it'll be 35 at the end of the year, but yeah, I'm, I'm making a unanimous two unanimous divisions in a row. Now, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and really interesting to see our first two unanimous divisions are actually the guys fighting each other, uh, here in February between Islam and Volk. Also, can I just shout out Damon for also being with me on taking the locks and the unanimous weight classes instead of firing <laughs> them off for some other risky ones? Just give me the two easiest weight classes to predict. Lock it in. Smart, smart work. <laughs> I mean, smart work, cowards work. I'll leave that to you, the listener, to decide. Either way, let's jump to the bantamweight division. This is a division that... A little bit of a monkey, monkey wrench thrown into it earlier this week or this past week, I guess, depending on when you're listening to it, with Aljamain Sterling. And we, we don't know now, torn bicep. Not really sure when we'll get him back. Maybe we end up with an interim title fight. Somewhat of a backlog already created here with Henry Cejudo, Sean O'Malley, Cheeto Vera, who's about to fight as well. Jed, where'd you go with this? I hate myself for this one because I don't like this man. Oh. <laughs> Very un, unhappy to do this. But it's probably honestly the most confident I feel out of most of these, aside from my two locks. It's it's Henry Cejudo. At some point, Aljamain Sterling is going to fight him. God knows why. Don't know why we're doing this, but we are for whatever reason. I think Cejudo's just a really tough fight for for Sterling. And then Cejudo is not going to fumble the bag. Sterling has just punted away from him. If he fights two times this year, he's for sure going to fight Sean O'Malley. And buddy, that's going to be a bad night for Sean O'Malley. So Cejudo will have the belt and then he will never fight a bantamweight again. He will just hold on to the bantamweight belt while desperately trying to fight Alexander Volkanovsky and being the worst person in the sport. So I'm sad to say it, but Henry Cejudo is your 2023 bantamweight champion. The worst person in the sport is a very lofty title right now with how the, this year has started. The worst person strictly in the confines of the sport of, of 
looking only at their effect on the sporting aspect of the sport, <laughs> not at anything else, because you're right. That would have been a big statement, but there is no in cage and their ramifications of their in cage actions fighter that I dislike more than Henry Sudo. <laughs> what do you think, Jose? Are you also going with the worst person in the sport? <laughs> I hadn't even considered Henry Cejudo until right now. I was going to pick Corey Sanhagen, but now I'm probably going to just pick Henry Cejudo based solely off of the math that Jed said. I think Jed, I like, like, I think Henry beats Aljamain Sterling and then he fights Sean O'Malley for the like the much bigger, like in terms of prize fighting. Sean O'Malley is the fight. In terms of competitiveness, I think the Aljo fight is better. I just think Henry Cejudo beats both of them. And like Jed said, he's not going to fight at Bantamweight ever again unless somehow Marlon Vera beats Corey Sanhagen, which I don't think he's going to do. And then they just talk all that greasiness in two languages. And then Henry Cejudo gets enticed to fight Marlon Vera. Then maybe he fights at Bantamweight again. But I still think Henry Cejudo holds the Bantamweight title. And he is going to be insufferable if that happens. <laughs> yeah. The key is he's going to learn from his mistake. His mistake was retiring and thinking he could leverage more money. And instead, he's not going to retire. He is going to hold the belt and try to use that to leverage the things that he wants. But like, oh, I retired and they just waved goodbye at me. That was dumb. I should just hostage situation this Bantamweight title and see where that gets me. It's going to suck, man. It's going to suck so hard. <laughs> oh, my God. Dark times being forecasted here at 135. Damon, are you joining in on this? Man, I thought I was going to have an edgier pick going with Henry Cejudo, but I'm also going with Henry Cejudo. And, uh, you know, originally when I did my podcast with Matt Brown, I actually said, I think Aljamain can beat Henry, and I, I stand by that. I think he can beat Henry, but will he beat Henry? I don't know. Here's the problem. I think with Aljamain now dealing with this bicep and the knowledge that's out there, the UFC just seems to demonstrably not enjoy Aljamain Sterling. I feel like they're going to end up booking Henry and Sean O'Malley for an interim title in like March, April, because they want to. They want. They need fights. Like they need big fights for March and April. You know, we're already talking about maybe Usman doesn't come back in March, and so there's the the London card. What's going to happen? So. They need fights, and Cejudo and O'Malley is a sellable fight, and I agree with Jed. I think Cejudo works O'Malley, and then I think it's Cejudo and Aljamain at the end of the year, and I'm just going to I'm just gonna go by process of elimination here and say I think Cejudo beats Aljamain and ends up being champion by the end of the year because I just don't – again, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Jose on that one too. I think Corey Sanhagen beats Marlon Vera, and then I don't think they're going to give Sanhagen another title shot right away, and, you know, there's just not – there's just not, you know, they're not. I mean, Piotr Jan hasn't booked a fight yet, so who's he going to come back and fight? We don't know. I don't think he's going to get anywhere near a title shot this year. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Sudo as well, and and I think it's because he's going to eliminate Sean O'Malley ahead of time, and then he's going to fight Aljamain like October, you know, November somewhere around there, and Andy Andy defends the belt or reunifies the belt, however you want to say it, and then uh, and then uh, remains champion. So I think that's how it's going to roll. Wow, I did not expect such a Sudo love fest. In this conversation, I'm not going to lie. Cejudo, also sneaky old. Man's going to be 36 next month. He will be the oldest UFC bantamweight champion ever if he wins that belt. That is a division that is not kind to old men. And he is, he's kind of right up there. Like he kind of, that, that age window might have slept or crept right past him while he's been out. I'm stunned that I'm the only one going chalk on this. I have doubted Aljamain Sterling 
every step of the way I've picked against him pretty much every fight. I just can't do it anymore. Man just keeps proving it, proving me wrong every single time. And with the way that this injury is going to play out, I bet he only has to defend once uh, in this 2023 campaign. I think he could do it. I think he can continue to just surprise people. It seems like we just sleep on him every time out, and I'm sure he's going to be an underdog. Because I agree, I think he will fight Cejudo if, if it's Cejudo. Sugar Sean, I think he's going to be the underdog for that, and I think once again he's going to come out on top and be able to go on a little victory parade, uh, just shoving it into people's faces in Twitter, which is what he seems to be enjoy to enjoy doing, I should say. Uh, so I'm going chalk. I'm going with the champ, Aljamain Sterling. Let's keep it moving though to fly, men's flyweight, which is low key might be one of the most interesting divisions here this coming year. 2023 men's 25 looks like it might be on fire depending on what matchups we end up getting. Damon, where'd you go with this? This is a tough one because, you know, my heart of hearts, like obviously, you know, I feel like we're going to see, you know, uh, Figueredo Moreno 19 by the end of the year. So, you know, pick one of them, <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go against the odds and say that Devison Figueredo beats Brandon Moreno uh, in January and holds on to the title. And then we finally get some new blood, uh, near the top of that division. The problem is, is like, you know, I think Alexander Pantoja is a really fun fighter. He's a guy who probably deserves it. Mateus Nicolaus out there, guy, another guy who deserves it. But I'm going to throw a, just a, a huge curveball here. And I'm I, I, this is probably my least confident pick, but I got to pick somewhere to throw up an upset somewhere and just say, hey, this guy comes out of nowhere and wins a title because that kind of stuff happens in this sport. And I'm going to go with Manel Cop as my Whoa. out of nowhere pick because he got Alex okay. Perez. And Alex Perez is the top five guy. I think he beats Alex Perez. Now, yes, he does have the loss to Pantoja. So, again, his and, and you know, he has to fight with Nicolau. So, it's a harder road for him to get there. But I just think that if Figueredo wins in January, I don't think he's going to fight again for a little while. And they're going to want to shake things out. If Cop beats Perez, I think they could end up doing the rematch somewhere down there. And I just, I don't know. This, this division has been weird and funky. We've had 19 rematches already. I just, I'm throwing out a, a random weird one because he got this Perez fight you know, because another guy got injured. So maybe it happens again. Pantoja, you know, gets snake bitten again and he doesn't get a title shot. And, and Mateus Nicolau gets snake bitten and he doesn't get a title shot. Manel cop is in my opinion, one of the most exciting guys in the division and who wouldn't want to watch Manel cop and Devison Figueredo throw down. 125. Just so good right now. That's, I didn't even consider cop, but that, I mean, you made a compelling mm -hmm. case. Jose, what do you think? This this is the I think to me this is the hardest division to pick solely because this is obviously we have like the unprecedented fourth fight between Figueroa and Moreno. It's the first pay per view of the year, so this of all the divisions, this could probably have the most title fights solely because it's starting earlier. Figueroa has also talked a lot about going up to bantamweight, so even if he beats Moreno and wins this quadrology, whatever you want to call it, I don't know if he ends the year in the flyweight division. Pantoja is the ne is pretty much locked in as the next man up for the next title shot, just a matter of who he's going to fight. And then as Mateus Nicolau, has he even re-signed with the UFC? I'm sure he will, uh, but I know his last fight was the end of his contract. Um, so he should be fighting like the Brandon Royvel or an, an Amir Albazi, and Pantoja should be fighting for the title uh, with between the... Let's. I'm just going to assume Figueredo Moreno. Figueredo stays at flyweight for the sake of argument. 
I'm going to have to say Figueredo just solely because I think he beats Moreno. I think he can beat Pantoja. And I don't know if Nicolau and whoever will get in another title shot. So if we're talking 2020, I think flyweight 2024 is going to be super interesting because Amir Albazi, Manel Kopp, uh, and Muhammad Mahayev are all names I see fighting for the title at some point, just not this year. So next year will be incredibly interesting once we get through this logjam of contenders. But I'm just going to say Figueredo, just process of elimination, just because I think he's the best of the top five right now. There's the first Muhammad Mahayev mention. I was waiting to see if someone would bring him up for this. Jed, where are you at with this? I'm on the path for Mahayev. Needs, needs too many fights. Not going to happen. <clears throat> yeah, I am exactly. loving this. Because you guys are just giving me a free point again. I, I can't speak for you, Shaheen, but... Just I think we're probably aligned, actually. Freely handing me Brandon Moreno, the best flyweight in the world, who's about to fight for the title. It's this one feels I'm more confident in this than most of the other ones I've had. I almost put this as a lock. He's gonna beat Figgy. He finished him once before, probably should have gotten the win in the in their third fight. Even if he didn't, that fight clearly defined to me like. Well, hell of a performance from Figueredo changed his game plan up, brought something new, but he is now no longer working with the tools he has. He's he's having to throw his off-speed pitches and and find ways to win. And Moreno's only getting better. Dude's not even 30. We talked about we talked about, you know, it's rough to bet Cejudo who's about to be 37 or whatever at Bantamweight. Figgy's almost 36 at flyweight. Like this ain't Moreno feels so good to me here. The way he dismantled Guy Cara France, who everybody was so high on, he he's the best flyweight in the world, man. I know, I know Ali Pants has two wins over him. Moreno's gonna get that revenge. And there's just nobody's coming at him right now, man. Nobody's coming at the soon-to-be new king. The only reason I am not so high on Moreno right now is he does not have his head coach in James Krause right now. And he's flying all the that way to Brazil, which is tough. That is a great to fly point. all the to get it to basically switch your head coach in the middle of camp and then fly to hostile territory in the middle of a political nightmare where like the whole country is on fire. It's not. It's why I'm not as confident as if this fight was just in Las Vegas. So um, Jose, I, I, agree. You, I think Moreno uh, could be the best. Jose, are so, you saying you're bet you're betting against Brandon Moreno since he lost James Krause? Let me make my joke there. Are you betting against Brandon Moreno? As a uh, man of Christ, I no longer bet. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I just don't bet in general. Look, I'm not saying you're wrong, but doesn't matter. Brandon Moreno's the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. Just give it to him. Give him the belt, and he's going to hold on to it forever and ever. I'm stunned. I am stunned. I'm the only one going Pantoja. This to me felt like one of the more confident picks of this whole year for me. Like this man has been waiting. He has been basically the champion the uncrowned champion of his division in my eyes for a while now. And and whoever mentioned Figueredo's age, I think that's very valid. Like, I, I don't know how many fights he has left at 125. And also just like, he's going to be on the decline sooner rather than later. Like this might be the year he just falls off because we've seen it at flyweight. Like once you mm-hmm. fall off, you fall off a cliff. Uh, I'm going Pantoja. He, he feels like a, oh, if I had another lock, I might use, it for this i feel so confident in this man's ability to capture this 125 pound title and he probably should have been champion already had he right. been able to get this opportunity 
I think if I was going to say if Figueredo does beat Moreno and then bounces, I think it's I think he if he wins, he's already beat Pantoja. And that's one of the and that is an incredibly underrated fight. That was on like the prelim card of that UFC 240 in Edmonton. And then Pantoja already has the win over Moreno. I, I know it was on the ultimate fight or whatever, but. If Figueredo wins and he's like 30, whatever, and he bounces up to Bantamweight, it's going to be because he just doesn't want to rematch Pantoja for sure. Not because he's scared, but because like how you, how else you going to top that performance that you had in Edmonton? You're you're hundred percent right. That's a low key underrated banger. Like that is a great, great fight. If you haven't seen it, go back and look at that. Uh, but all right, that's the men's divisions. We have four left to go in the women's divisions. And I think these are probably going to go pretty fast. Uh, let's just show of hands. Does anybody not have a man of noons for 145? Is there a oh. 145 division? I mean, let's be straight up. I don't have 145 written down. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so I guess by definition, I don't, because I don't think. Can Can I get extra points if I predict we close this division? Ooh, yeah, I was gonna. I was about to throw that out. Just a show of hands. Does anybody predict that there is no champion at 145 by the end of the year? That will count. As long as as long as Amanda Nunes holds the bantamweight title, Dana will continue letting her hold a second title just for the just for the sake of it. just for the sake of just for the sake of promoting her as a two division champion. And I think that's why it sticks around only for that reason because they're just going to let her continue to hold two belts. They continue because they got to find a way to promote Amanda Nunes at this point, and it sure ain't going to be by the level of talent she's facing at bantamweight. So might as well say, hey, here's our two division most dominant champion ever. And 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 also they can continue to call scoreboard over cyborg over in Bellator as a featherweight champion. But oh yeah, you got a featherweight champion. Well, our featherweight champion smoked your featherweight champion. So I don't think that division is going to go away. But I don't even think she'll fight at 145 this year. Jed, I'm going to say the division closes down. Look at I'm taking, this. I'm taking that option. So you guys it. gave me some free points with your very bad choices. So I'll give you one with mine. Here's, <laughs> here's the pitch. Uh, and this has made me sort of determine the next two choices, which I was a little, uh, I was still waffling a bit on. I think the outlook for Bantamweight looks like this. I know we're talking about featherweight. Bear with me. Kaitlyn Vieira is about to fight Rocky Pennington. If Kaitlyn Vieira can get past Rocky Pennington, super not confident she can, but let's say she does. She's next for noons at 135. And then that's it. There is not another person on the planet who can can challenge Amanda Nunes. Who who else is it? There's Shevchenko. Irene. There's like there's the the pen the pen a trilogy or whatever. There's Vieira. I think what's going to happen? We're going to get Vieira Nunes. And then after that, uh, in the interim, we're going to get uh, Shevchenko is going to face off with the winner of Blanchfield, Tyler Santos. Shevchenko is going to win it. We are finally going to get Nunes Shevchenko three and win or lose. At this point, I'm leaning when Amanda Nunes is going to walk away. She's 34. She has nobody else to fight just functionally. Certainly nothing left to prove. She beat Shevchenko in the trilogy match. She is a two, walks away as a two-division champion on top, the GOAT, etc. I think she's retiring by the end of the year. And the moment she retires, 145 is removed from the UFC website. And we are done with this whole charade. So Amanda Nunes is going to retire. They're going to close 145. That's my pick. Look at that. Look at that. All right. So three for Nunes and one for that division's not even going to exist anymore. <laughs> and Jed, that was a perfect segue to Bantamweight. Uh, I'll just again throw it out. Show of hands. Anybody not taking Amanda Nunes other than Jed here? That would be me. I am not taking Amanda Nunes. Okay. 
Also, you said other than I. I guess. Oh, I guess she's not a champion if I if she retires, right? Yeah, you just laid out that you're picking Shevchenko, right? No, No. let me think about it. But please go Uh, to Damon. Well, that's what I'm. That's that's what I'm (laughs) going with. I'm going with the Chevy truck. I'm going with with Valentina Shevchenko moves to 135, and she finally beats Amanda Nunes and becomes a two division champion because that division is a wasteland. No one. Let me repeat. No one. Wants to see Ketlin Vieira and Amanda Nunes. I'm sorry. I don't care if Ketlin Vieira looks incredible against Rocky Pennington. No one wants to see. There's not a single person on earth besides maybe Ketlin Vieira's family who wants to see that fight with Amanda Nunes. No one. So they're going to go at at some point, they're going to go with the only choice that's available. And that's Valentina Shevchenko. They didn't do the rematch with Tyler Santos. Yes, they're doing the Blanchfield fight. It it clearly looks like they're just holding Shevchenko for something to happen. And I think the Nunez, the Nunez fight is the one out there. And I think she beats Nunez this time. And then at that point, she just holds on to the titles and just continuously randomly beats people uh, because there's no one at Bantamweight. It's weird to say this. There's no one at Bantamweight to fight Valentina Shevchenko. I think there's tougher fights for a flyweight. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Valentina Shevchenko uh, defeats Amanda Nunez and becomes a two division champ. Uh, in the only fight that would even be remotely interesting at Bantamweight this year. I'm going to adjust my answer very slightly on this to say I also think there will be no champion. So I think Nunes is going to beat Shevchenko, but she's going to retire, so there will be a vacant vacant spot at the top because that's going to happen later in the year. Wow. At that point, at that point, we should no. just get rid of Bantamweight and Featherweight because there's nobody in either. They should, <laughs> but they won't get rid of Bantamweight. So Nunes retires. I don't think they'll have enough time to put a new Bantamweight title together. I'm trying to figure my timelines out here. So we're doing a whole predictions competition and Jed is picking no champion for two yes, divisions. I love it. That fight Absolutely is going to happen in MSG in November. <laughs> They're going to do Nunes Shevchenko three MSG in November. Nunes retires after it and we're done. That's it. I'm locked in now. I mean, Jose, it's sitting there on the table for you. If you want it, where are you going with this? I'm Amanda news is going to be champion at the end of the year. I don't think she's going to yes. retire. I also, yeah. I also think Valentina is going to fight Alexa Grasso next in Mexico. So whether like, I don't, so that's another tough fight. And then even if Tyler Santos wins, that's another tough fight for Valentina. I think Valentina is going to have two title fights at flyweight. And then is Alexa next Grasso year, a tough fight? are we really going to pretend yeah. Alexa Grasso is a tough fight? Yeah, she's a tough fight. Okay. Um, uh, so I'll say Amanda Nunes holds both belts at the end of the year. And then maybe we talk about her retiring next year, but I just think Valentina. And then there's man in that also wants to fight Valentina. I think Valentina has herself. If you go watch the post fight press conferences at MMAfighting.com, shot by me, Valentina Shevchenko says she is much closer to straw weight than flyweight right now. So I don't think this year she's going to go up to band weight. Next year, maybe, but not this year. And I still think Amanda holds both belts at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, but I just think there's a little more fights for Valentina to have before she goes up. And everyone keeps forgetting about Irene Aldana. No one's talked about Irene Aldana possibly fighting for the title. She has not fought Amanda Nunes, and they've been trying to make that fight forever. Um, Irene just gets insane bouts of COVID like three times in a year. And then she she also absolutely melted Callum Vieta in one of the best female knockouts you'll ever see. And then had that real weird knockout against Macy Chazen. I think... Irene will probably fight for the title at some point because they have really wanted her to fight for the title. They might just force her into that fight. But but does she fight for the, does she or does she fight for one forty five? 
weight the weight no she'll fight one Irene will fight at 135, uh, and I think eventually she'll fight Amanda just solely because, like, the UFC really wants Irene in a title shot because they want to build well, the that. the problem market. is Irene got, got worked by Holly Holm. Like, she got worked badly in that fight. Like, Holly yeah, beat she her got, badly. She got, she got beat real bad, and I, I'm not saying that she would have won if this hadn't happened, but she was still recovering from one of the worst bouts of COVID you'll ever hear. Like she could barely breathe on the treadmill. So, and that was in the middle of the bubble. So if they rematch, obviously they rematch now, Holly's older and just lost to Catelyn. If they, if all that aside, I still want to see that rematch at some point, but I still think the UFC will just force you running into a title shot. I'm totally cool with it. Doesn't matter. Amanda's retiring. That's also why I think the Shevchenko, that's why I'm going with the Shevchenko thing. Well, I do think Shevchenko has more challenges at flyweight. Uh, I think this is probably the time for her to get that because she may not get another shot. Like I, I think we all yeah. kind of unanimously agree. Amanda Nunes, the clock is ticking on her career. Like she doesn't have much time left. And I think they want to get that trilogy in because it is legitimately one of the only truly sellable fights in either division that would actually get people to tune in and maybe help sell a pay-per-view like Shevchenko. I love, listen, you'll never, you'll not find a bigger Valentina Shevchenko fan than me, but Valentina Shevchenko Alexa Grasso does not sell pay-per-views. They might sell some tickets in Mexico, but then she just absolutely works Alexa Grasso. Uh, no one's going to pay for Mano Fior. Uh, Blanchfield, to me, is the best prospect in division, but even if she beats Tyler Santos, I don't know. They're just going to rush her right into a title shot. I think the, the, the time is ticking. The sand in the hourglass is running out of ever doing Noon Shevchenko 3, so I think that's why we're going to see it this year. So two things. One, I'm taking the layup with Jose. I, I can't believe you guys have left us these free points. It's Amanda Nunes for me at 135 at the end of this year. She's still going to be in it. She's younger than Valentina, I believe. And just also like there, I, I do think they are going to fight for a third time. And I would pick Amanda to win that fight for a third time. Mm-hmm. But second, the way that we, the difference in the way that we talk about Amanda compared to Valentina is really interesting to me. A lot of the Amanda is at the end of the road. Amanda's going to retire conversation. Do y'all know how long Valentina has been in this? Like what year do you think this is for Valentina Shevchenko? This this is not one. She's been doing since she was what? 17. She's been kickboxing. So we're on like, this is year 20. I'd say we're year 19 or 20. Yeah. But this is year 20 for Valentina. But the way they talk is very different. Nunes has talked about like doing the family thing and thing where Shevchenko seems like she doesn't have any interests other than dancing, shooting and beating the fuck out of people. And it's like the only thing she wants to do. So like, she's going to do this till she's 50 as far as I'm concerned. And and let's not sure, forget Valentina Valentin is hyper motivated. And if you remember like when she had, when she had that fight with Jennifer Maya and everyone's like, she lost the round. Oh my God. Valentina lost a round to Jennifer Maya. And then she comes out and, assassinates Jessica Andrade, who legitimately might be the second best flyweight in the world, just absolutely demolishes her. I think she went into that fight with Tyler Santos with a, with a hurt foot, which was ridiculous of an idea to go in there and do that. But I think she's going to come out just guns blazing this year. And she's going to wreck Alexa Grasso. That's ends up being like Alexa Grasso is going to be contemplating straw weight again after that fight. And then I think she gets the title shot. And again, I think they're just in two different directions. Amanda has one foot out the door. And Valentina wants revenge. And I think that's why I would pick Valentina to beat her. Year 20. 
Like I understand she's a crazy, you know, hyper motivated, immensely talented individual. But at a certain point, your body doesn't care how much motivation you have. You're 20. Like, I don't know, man. She should she probably would have lost that Talia Los Santos fight had had Tyler not gotten hurt mid-fight. Like that is and she had got her fight head kick like mid-fight. <laughs> yeah, had yeah, but Leon you know, but, yeah, but like she had kicked Usman in the face. <laughs> that's a little different though. You know that because the way that her sort of face blew up, like that's not you can't guarantee that's gonna happen every time. Like and that's a result that's that a result kick. of the damage she took in the fight, though. It's not like she I got, understand. Like hey, an also, happened. hey, look, Valentina won the fight. I'm not arguing that she's not. She didn't win the fight. I'm just saying there are cracks in the armor starting to show a little bit look sometimes you don't have your best game sometimes you let marvin harrison jr go for 400 receiving yards on you but you survive your opponent's best (laughs) shot because you're just the best and then you're the champion it happens to people all the time Sorry, Damon. I just I find it interesting. I know I like to I had to bring, had to bring in that Marvin Harris one really stings because I I just don't want to get into it. I just don't want to get into it. But yeah, go dogs, go dogs, go dogs. Uh, I just find the way we talk, the difference in the way we talk about these two women, to be very very interesting. Considering they're basically at the same point in their careers, and Valentina's actually been in it a little bit longer. Either way, I'm going Amanda for 135. We'll move to 125. Does anybody not have Valentina for 125? No, I have that resounding silence. That resounding silence says it all. I think that we all like some of the talent. Let me let me just say, did you imagine that probably our most our most passionate argument would be over the women's bantamweight division? Like that's where we got (laughs) we probably got the most heated talking about women's bantamweight. It's it's the Uh, the marquee division of the sport. (laughs) They fought a total of like forty three times in twenty twenty (laughs) two. 2023 is just full of surprises, my man. Uh, all right. So that resounding silence was means everyone here is going for Shevchenko. I think we all like the talent coming up here at 125, but it all feels like it's a year away from from maybe coming to yeah. fruition, right? Especially the Aaron like Men's flyweight aspect of this division. Yeah. Uh it, it should be it should be interesting though. We don't know. Uh last one up, Strawweight. And this is I don't I honestly struggle with this maybe the most out of out of any of these divisions, this feels, I just don't know how often the title is going to be defended. I don't know who's going to get that opportunity. I don't know if they're going to stretch outside of this rock, paper, scissors that they've been doing forever between these same three or four women. Uh, Jed, start us off. Where did you go with this? This wasn't that tough for me. Call it recency bias, and maybe it is, but I think Wiley Zhang's the best fighter in this division, one of the best fighters in the world. The way... I know Yoana and Jacek retired after it, but the way she just disrespected the goat like that in the cage, that is that that felt like a turning the corner moment. Cause even when she was champion, I wasn't a huge like I wasn't all the way there. It was just cause she had some lackluster performances and it was just like, yeah, she out physical Jessica Andrade. That's unbelievable, but need to see more. Then, then she has the fight of all time with Joanna. It's like, all right, she's got, she's got grit, but she still needs to work on some stuff. Then the Rose stuff happens and they're like, okay, well, that's just going to be the tale of her comes back. And she's, she's putting it all together in a way that really portends tough ass times ahead for the rest of the straw weights. I, I think she's just it right now. She is the most physically impressive. Her game plans have been on point. Carla Sparza for as much crap as I've given her Rose didn't go out there and treat Carla Sparza like some rookie and Wiley Zhang just, just, um, just ruined her, ruined her. So give me Zhang. Think she's the best in the world. 
Jose, you agree with that? Yeah, I think uh, Wei Li Zhang is going to be the champion at the end of the year, and that is going to be my final lock. I just don't see anyone in this top. Like, Jessica Andrade is obviously the wild card, but Jessica Andrade is fighting that flyweight in a couple weeks, if I'm correct, against Lauren Murphy yeah. in Brazil. So it's a toss-up if she even comes yeah. to strawweight. If she does drop back down to strawweight, I think that's the she's the only person in this top 10 that I think could give Zhang Weili problems. Obviously, uh, Carla just lost. She's lost, she's lost to Rose twice. The second one was much closer, but I don't think they're going to toss Rose into a title fight or if Rose even fights in 2023. Amanda Lemos, I just don't see it. And like, like I said, Jessica Andrade, I think, is the only one in this top 10, top five that would give Zhang Weili any sort of issues, and I still would, and Zhang Weili already beat her. So I think Zhang Weili... I can confidently say we'll hold the title at the end of the year. And that is my final lock. I am bookending with the heavyweights and the strawweights for my two locks. I like it. Also, you are the only one courageous enough not to go with one of either Islam or Volkanovsky. So I love, I love the adventure. Well, Cause I'm not a jabroni. So I'm going to have fun with it. <laughs> I picked uh, Hamza Chimaev, two division champion. I feel like I had plenty of fun today. You also picked two divisions to not have a champion. Yeah, so. Lots of fun uh, in my <laughs> I'm going to go uh, champion of the year. I'm going to go with Rose Namajunas because they love giving Rose Namajunas title shots. And they as sure much do. as I think that as much as I think that I would love to see some new blood get title shots, no one has really stood out. I mean, Amanda Lemos is probably the the top person, but I don't think she could beat Zhang Wei Li. And, and, and listen, in my heart of hearts, it's Jessica Andrade has the best chance, but she won't stay in the division. Like she left and now she's fighting Lauren Murphy in like a top five fight of flyweight. So like if she had stuck around and maybe got that trilogy with Rose, which would be really interesting, like go out there and do that one one more time. And then she fights Zhang Wei Li. I might give her a chance, but Jessica Andrade just won't stick in one division. So by, by process of elimination with that one, and they love giving Rose title shots. I mean, they love giving her title shots and she's already <laughs> beaten Jane twice. Uh, I'm going to go with Rose Namajunas because I think they're just, they're going to look at the division and say, do we really want to make Amanda Lemos and Zhang Weili? Yeah, okay. What about Zhang Weili and Rose 3? Okay, I like that fight. Let's go with that. And then Rose wins again. And so I'm going with Rose Namajunas as champion by the end of the year, only because, again, all the other people who could have had, like Marina Rodriguez ended up losing. Mackenzie Dern has never lived up quite to her potential yet. All these other fighters who we looked at and said, maybe they'll get there. They haven't gotten there. So it's back to where we're at, the old standard. Man, see, this was tough for me because I wanted, I, I initially, my initial knee jerk was Rose, right? For the, all the reasons you mentioned, Dame, they love giving her title shots. She's already up 2-0 on, on, on Zhang. I just don't know if they love giving her title shots anymore, right? Like, I feel like whatever the stain from that last one was, that has to have some effect on this moving forward. Like, you cannot be so urgent to want to throw this woman back into the title picture right away. I, I, even, I even see it just in the fan reaction to Rose anything these days. Like, you throw out any Rose post or any Rose commentary, and it feels like people are, are a little colder on her, a little more tepid than they were before that Carla rematch. I, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just, you know projection by me but it feels like if i'm the ufc i am not rushing in, in any capacity to throw this woman back into the title shot and also like i just don't know i can't trust rose to even compete in in, in a 2023 to be honest like i this woman is so all over the place in terms of what she wants wh whether she wants to keep doing this how motivated she is at any given time it's just too much of a wild card for me whereas i'm with you other two fellas uh Zhang, 
feels like the best in this division. She has proven time and time again that she is just able to the rise to the occasion. I just this division is a complete toss up to me in terms of who's going to end up getting shots, how many shots we're going to get. I just go with the safe pick. I'm going with Shang. Uh, and that wraps us up in terms of the 12 UFC divisions for 2023. So just quick recap here. Our two locks, Jed went Volk Islam. Damon also went Volk Islam, featherweight and lightweight. Of course, these two men fighting here in February. I went Islam and Hamzat at 170. And then Jose, I love it. Just just doing stuff. Just kind of doing whatever he wants out here. Going John not, Jones at heavyweight. I am, I am rarely on these shows, so I might as well make it memorable. <laughs> I love it. John Jones and Wiley Zhang, as he said, bookending heaviest and lightest divisions. And there it is. There's our predictions for the UFC champions for 2023. Send us yours. Let's have some fun. Let's make a little competition out of this. Uh, And I appreciate you as always, fellas and listeners out there listening to this. Thank you, guys. We love you. For Jed Mishu, Damon Martin, Jose Youngs, I am Sean O'Shaughney. This has been MMA Fighting. Keep it locked to the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. And we'll see you soon. Love you guys. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.